Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Say it's great to have you aboard uh, this morning. I'm heavily indebted to our first guest today, who earlier in the week um, broke her ankle and has come down from Yorkshire to be on the, on the sofa this morning. Joe Mason, good morning. Uh, you've gone above and beyond, I reckon, to, to be with us today. But as you pointed out, there's not much else to do at the moment. Yeah, no, exactly. Obviously, this only happened on Monday. Um, so might as well fill my time in. <laughs> All right, so for those who haven't been reading the papers or, or listening to whatever, what happened? Um, just, I was on my last lot of the morning, um, a two-year-old that um, was just getting back cantering again. Um, and you know what? She, she was brilliant. And getting towards the end of the gallop, um, as we hacked down the gallop, we turned around and canter back. Mm -hmm. um, three pigeons flew out and that was it, gone. She was gone from underneath me and I was out the side door. And you did have somebody to come and scrape you up fairly yeah. quickly. <laughs> yes. Um, after I'd had to take about five minutes, and, and normally I'd be the first one to jump up and be like, that's really annoying. So um, you knew straight away. And I didn't know I'd broken anything. I, honestly, I thought I'd just, you know, wrenched it or anything. Um, just had five minutes, and then I hobbled back down the gallop a little bit, and um, my granddad turned up in his truck and, and picked me up and, and says to me, why, why did you fall off, Joanna? I said, <laughs> oh, I wish I didn't. <laughs> um, three pigeons and what can you do? Um, so yeah, off, off to the office I went, put a nice pack on it, and there's me contemplating, will I be able to ride today? I had four brilliant rides at Thirsk, um, and a stalls test to do, and I was like, no, I, I will be, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Took the ice pack off and had this large lump on my ankle, and I thought, oh, I just think I might struggle here. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think we can have a look at the the damage in a minute but this was this was what you tweeted just as you think you're back on track pigeons decide to flap out of the hedge not the outcome i'd hope for a spiral fracture of the distal fibula that sounds quite painful <laughs> thankfully not much pain we're hardy up north bit of box rest i'll be back and riding in no time um i, I yes that, yeah. that tells a slightly different story. That's the bruising yesterday morning that's coming out. So um, I've obviously had a lot of swelling and a lot of bruising. Um, you know, obviously very grateful that the Jackberry house is just round the corner um, from my house. So I've been going up there three three times a day just to get the ice compression, the game ready mm. machine on, um, just to control the swelling. And um, they've given me loads of supplements from calcium to HMB to vitamin D, um, I've got Arnica tablets. They're not messing around, are they? No, I've got everything that hopefully just will make it initially knit that I can, you know, get going on in the gym. I can't read an x-ray, but I can see the crack there. Yeah, so that's you can the, see, that's the, the bottom end of the fibula, yeah. Right. Um, so, and you can see it's a slight round the bone, so that's the spiral fracture of it. But at least it's clean, I suppose, yes, is it? Yes, exactly. Um, I know when I went to the hospital, I did have to do a standing x-ray just to make sure that the fracture didn't move when I had weight on it, and they were happy that it didn't, so um, I'm landed with a boot, which at least I can you know, still go up to get the, the ice machine on. Um, but yeah, you can kind of see it on that, on that x-ray there. It's you know, the little bone at the back, mm -hmm. down the side, and it follows round the bone at the bottom. But you did say that you're, you're hardy um, and you're not wrong because this is not the most serious injury you've had to recover from. No, it's not. Um, like I said, I, I've got no pain at all. And I know when I went to get the x-ray, the, the nurse just couldn't believe that I had no pain at all. It was just the swelling. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I did. I think it was 2016, mm. um, broke my back in a point-to-point -point form, my T8 and T9, um, had a compression fracture of that spine there, yeah. So I had to have um, eight pins and two rods in my back and, yeah. <laughs> How long were you out of action for then? Three months and a week till I was back race riding. You, you got back race riding in three, three months, months and a week? Three months and a week, yeah, from a broken back. That is astonishing. And it was just as the Jack Berry house, I don't think it actually had been officially even opened yet. I was one of the first jockeys in there. Um, and yeah, the, the hydrotherapy pool was unbelievable for it, really, because I couldn't really do much in the gym with the impact mm -hmm. on my back. So um, the hydrotherapy pool was amazing and fitness. And when I did get back on the horse, it felt like I'd missed no time at all. So if we go... If we go all the way back, people will remember you from the kind of mid-noughties riding amateur races, point-to-point, Arab racing, just being a, you know, a jack of all trades, but very good at an awful lot of those things. Now you've reinvented your career as a, a flat jockey and it's going incredibly well. Was the, was the broken back a bit of an accelerator in a way? A little bit, yes. Um, after I did break my back, I decided not to ride point-to-pointing anymore. Um, I was then concentrating on the flat mm -hmm. in, in the summer and I was doing well. And I did, you know, come to my granddad and, and David a few times thinking, oh, should, I, should I change professional? I should just say, if, if anyone Sorry. doesn't know, I'm sure they all do. Um, <laughs> Mick Easterby is, uh, is Joe's granddad, the, the legendary figure, and, and David's your uncle. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, they are. So very lucky to have their expertise. Um, so, yeah, whether I did and whether I was, you know, the big fish in the small pond on the amateur circuit doing well. And I think back then, you know, female um, involvement probably wasn't as strong back then. And it was, mm -hmm. I suppose, a lot harder work. And, you know, you have to work hard. Um, so I carried on riding as an amateur. And it wasn't until COVID happened and amateurs couldn't ride that... You know, that spurred me on and, and a bit of help from Serena Brotherton, who obviously is very a top, top amateur as well, said, Joanna, you'd be stupid not mm -hmm. to. And, and that's probably the kick in the right direction that I needed. And, you know, I've not looked back since. So the family then kind of got right yeah, behind definitely. you and back to you, gave you plenty of rides. Yeah, definitely. I obviously went to David and my uncle, uh, David and, and my granddad, and said, look, I think this is what I want to do. Amateurs can't ride during COVID. And they said, yep, yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. When you went right back, so when you were, you were leaving school, was the idea of being a jockey something that was in, in your mind at all or not really? No, not at all. Um, I've, my cousin, Jacqueline Coward, um, champion point-to-point -point rider, you know, I think maybe six, seven, eight years in Yorkshire, um, you know, the country champion, you know, she was brilliant and she was probably the person I looked up to. And as a family... My dad's side trains pointers, and I suppose as much as granddad trains the flatties and the, and the jumpers, you know, my uncle, again, point-to-point -point rider, you know, that's what I always saw as doing. You know, mm. as a kid, we always went point-to-pointing at the weekend. Um, so that's, I think, what I and why I started out point-to-pointing. Um, so I did that while I was at university when I left school. Mm. I, was in, I was at Leeds Metropolitan, so it was handy to come back at weekends we had a good lot of horses that my dad was training, um, so I rode mm. those and, and while doing a degree and, and deciding to do a master's. And, and just give us a flavour of what it was like growing up in, in, that, in that dynasty, because it, it's, so, 
it's so charismatic and so so powerful in in Yorkshire racing as well. Did you did you have a sense of that when you were when you were a kid? Not really. Um, not until probably looking back now, um, how everyone um, you know views granddad and and my uncle. You know, I think as a kid they're just family, aren't they? Mm. Um, I knew it was. You know, he, he he obviously does very well on the circuit, and he he always gets the interviews. Um, but yeah, no, he, he was just your granddad. Um, I've seen footage of you two together, though, and it's clear that you have a very special bond. Now, I'm sure you'd say he's the same with all his grandchildren, but you obviously are very close. We we always joke. Um, his favourite grandchild, I think, changes every single day. <laughs> um, That's the way to play it. Definitely, he's got it safe there. Um, yeah, you know. I, He'd always watch my races. He loves it. Whether he'd tell me that he loves watching me and it's probably a different matter, but he'll be soon to tell me I've done something wrong or I should have done this or I was too far back. And um, he, he soon puts you back down on your feet, really. But I'm not probably one to get on cloud nine too much, really. Um, but, you know, it's a brilliant experience. I'm there most days a week riding out. Um, and... You know, you ride all different horses, from jumpers to flatties to, um, yeah, no, it's it's just the way of life. Obviously, there's quite a lot of mythology around Mick Easterby, but who is the who is the real man? Look, I think he'd obviously the camera. I think he not like. I mean, he loves the camera. He loves the camera. He loves the camera. You know, I think on a morning. I mean, he's only had me taken off air about fifteen times. <laughs> Um, on a morning, he's definitely work. Um, but I know when I used to come back from racing, if you know before I'd started riding as a professional, I, I used to take a lot of the horses racing. Mm -hmm. um, I used to come back and you know have a little natter with him when I got back from racing, and you know talk how the horses went and mm. whatnot. And you know he loves his racing, he loves his family. Um, you know he's just an amazing person. And to have that level of enthusiasm and passion for the sport, I guess, is is what's kind of sustaining him because he he very nearly died during during COVID, didn't he? Um, yeah, no, obviously um, he was quite ill, but you know he, he's he's hardy, like we said from up north. Um, he he gave it a good fight, and you know he still loves his racing. Whether it's kind of enthused his racing a little bit more, um, he he'd always watch my races, even rides for other people. Um, we'll have a touchdown the next day and, and a talk through um, them all. So yeah, he loves it. So you decided to to give up point to pointing after the after the back injury. Was that a hard decision or not? Because you obviously enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. I did love it, but not really. Um, obviously, I'd finished university then, and I was doing a bit more in the yard. So I was obviously in there six days a week, mm. going racing, taking the runners. Um, and, and doing that, so yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was a too hard a decision. I, I love the flat, and my cousin always used to say, "Oh God, I couldn't, I couldn't do the flat. It's you know, can't do that." But I, I loved it. I loved the flat. So, what were the biggest challenges then? Do you think, from a adapting point of view and a, maybe a tactical point of view, what were the what were the biggest challenges of, of switching? From switching from an amateur to a professional. Well, yeah, and I suppose sort of making being a flat jockey your career rather than something you were just doing occasionally. I I didn't really probably have too many boundaries. Um, I was obviously riding quite regularly uh, at home and on the track. You know, obviously racing's a lot more tighter and and you're riding more often. Um, 
you know, obviously I had to do a fitness test in the Jackberry house and do some rules and regulations on a, on a Zoom call to get my licence. So you were okay with the fitness test? Yeah, absolutely. Given your speed of recovery from the back break? Yeah, no, absolutely fine. Passed with flying colours. Um, so that was, that was, you know, it's a few you know, markers we had to do. And then, yeah, you know, I'm obviously, I'm lucky that my granddad and my uncle train and some people could think, you know, you probably have it easy. But mm. I think that's far from it really you know I've had to work hard I'm riding out most days a week I don't have days off um and, and granddad and my uncle would, would make me work for it and also did you did you feel quite liberated in a way because you'd had that kind of greater depth of background you'd done more things you'd got two university degrees you you know it, it, it's not as though it's not as though you were sort of going into the pressure cooker at 18 having been champion apprentice and that sort of thing Yes, definitely. I feel like I'm probably a bit mentally stronger. I mean, at a younger age, with it all going on, with the social pressures, the pressures from trainers and owners, and, you know, you're on a loser more times than you're on a winner. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a, a thing to cope with mentally. And I do think kind of going through life and doing university, um, come through the amateur circuit, and just being generally a bit older coming coming mm-hmm. into being a professional, I think has definitely helped me, um, you know, deal with things and deal with social pressures from other people. I, I wondered, I, I was sort of in my mind drawing a bit of a parallel with, with Rachel Blackmore, who, who sort of came to this level of prominence at a similar sort of stage of her, of her life. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just saying to you then, I was like, if I can be as good as Rachel Blackmore, that would be amazing. You know, I'm I'm lucky that I had a bit of a name for myself as an amateur, that going onto the professional circuit, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of trainers that I've ridden for and, I, you know, I'm not just getting rides from my grandma and my uncle, I'm getting a lot of outside rides from other people and, you know, I'm so grateful for the owners and the trainers for giving me those opportunities. And to what extent do you think that your your pathways are less hard now than they might have been if you'd done this 10, 15 years ago, given the success of Hayley Turner first, but mm. also given the success particularly of Holly Doyle in the, in the last couple of years, and just people's perception of putting female riders on on the flat has maybe shifted a little, if not as much as it should have done? Definitely. You know, back in the day when I probably half thought about um, turning professional at a younger age, you know, Hayley had done an amazing job, but and Kirsty. Um, they were on the scene, but there wasn't loads yeah, of Kirsty females. Yeah, Kirsty's not of course. Um, and, you know, now paving the way, really, with Hayley, Holly, you know, Josie, Nicola, you know, there's, there's definitely more of a, a female existence, and it's so nice seeing a lot more female apprentices coming through the ranks mm. and doing well. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a bit more of an easier time. I say not easy time, you know, we're all on a level playing field, but I think the stereotype of men being stronger than the women is definitely diminishing. You know, I think it's still got a bit bit more of a way to go, but it's definitely levelling out. We've had Safi Osborne on the show a, a couple of times. She's at a slightly different sort of stage of her life, but not a dissimilar stage of, of trying to work her way through the, through the riding ranks. Um, it still takes an enormous amount of determination, it notwithstanding does. all I've just said. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, Safi's doing amazing. Um, you do, you have to put the work in, you, you have to have that yard to support you and to get the rides, you know, there's not spare rides coming up anymore. 
um, you, you have to put the work in to, to get the reward. When you started as a, as a pro, did you immediately feel like you belonged in that sphere? Did you think, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm always supposed to have been doing? Did it feel, feel natural? Um, you know, I think when I first rode, I think my first ride was at, at Chelmsford, and, you know, I think it is a little bit daunting um, going on against the full professionals. But, yeah, it just it felt the same. It felt it did feel natural. Mm. And obviously, I think the more, the more rides you have against it, you, and, you know, you're riding more regularly, it just becomes routine. Um, yeah, no, I, I love it. And what do you think that, that you've got if there was one selling point when your when your agent talks to trainers and says right I've got Joe she can ride this what are you going to give what are you going to give that that horse I would say because I've probably come up for the you know for the pony club ranks you know I'm probably a horsewoman really um I've not just learned to ride race horses I've come up you know riding horses you know dressage eventing show jumping you know I've got that experience of you know how a horse goes and uh, and a bit more horsemanship I'm not saying that other people don't but you know a lot of people you know come to the racing college mm. and you know they're, they're on a racehorse whereas you know ponies and and hunters and and doing all that and I would also probably say that you know I mean, people will probably laugh when I say, I, you know, I can, I can talk. <laughs> um, I, you know, speaking to owners and trainers, and I think that's sometimes what you need, really. You know, they they want to know how their horses have run and what feel they've given you, and it's kind of relaying that information yeah. back. You're, you are definitely a very good communicator. <laughs> Have you always been talkative? Have you always been chatty? Yeah. But that's not a bad thing, is it's it, really? It's fantastic. I mean, I could, it could be silent and... You know that's boring, isn't it? <laughs> were you always the were you always the loudest in class or yeah. the most talkative in class? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, always you'd always get told off for talking too much. Yeah. So nobody who was at school with Joe Mason is going to forget forget that they were at school with Joe Mason. Yeah, and I think my granddad would always say, "Just stop talking, Joanna." <laughs> <laughs> but to, but talking has been a good thing for you, clearly. Yeah, no, it has definitely. It de yeah, it definitely has. And it, it strikes me that you're someone who would be reasonably unfazed if they... I mean, take this, for example. you just got to get through it. If you've had a bad experience or have given a, a horse a less good ride than you think you should have done, can you clear that out of your mind quickly and get on with the next one? Yeah, like I said earlier, I, I think coming into it a bit later, I'm a bit more mentally stronger. Mm. I think you can't dwell on the past. Yes, look at the race. Yes, think, you know, I should have done this. Or even say, hands up. I was further back than I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, the pace of the race didn't end up turning out as quick as we thought it would. Um, you know, you've had to just sit and suffer and, and hope for the gaps to come through. And especially, I think, with my leg, a little bit when it happened, I was probably a bit emotional, really, because, you know, only a month ago I'd got kicked in my knee, mm. um, unsaddling a winner at, at Beverly, and the horse cow-kicked me just above my knee onto, onto my... And that, that put me out for 10 days. And because nothing was I bet broken, that was painful. I bet you felt the pain That then. was painful. Yeah. I could, and, and then the swelling had gone into my knee, so then I couldn't bend my knee. So that, like I say, that knocked me out for 10 days. And because nothing was broken, you just keep pushing, you keep pushing, you, you keep thinking, oh. And I think it was three days when I was back riding out, I was thinking, I, ca I can't race ride. You know, I'm not 100% to give the horse the best possible chance. So I had to go back to the John Bob, back to the Jack Berry house, you know, keep working on it. So that, so that was 10 days. And then coming, getting back going, you know, 
I've ended up the last three weeks have been brilliant. A lot of placed horses. I, I'd ridden a, an Arab winner and a thoroughbred winner on the Saturday at Doncaster. I'd ridden an easy winner on the Sunday at Nottingham. And then this goes and happens. And yeah, definitely. I was definitely emotional. I was just annoyed and frustrated more than anything that I feel like, you know, my whole riding career, I've probably been in a lucky in a sense that, you know, I've only done my back and then really this now. Have I not saluted a magpie or thinking... Unfortunately, you saluted three pigeons. That was the... (laughs) Yes. And obviously I went, I ended up going to the Jack Berry house and I thought, I'm not going to go and sit and and wait for six hours for an x-ray. I'll go to the Jackberry House, see what they say, and they obviously recommended um, going for an x-ray at Moulton Hospital. But my friend Becky Smith's in there at the moment, and she just came and gave me a hug, and then I just flooded with tears. Once I got the x-ray out of the way, and I knew it was broken, I was fine, because I knew I can't push myself now. I know I have my four to six weeks that they've told me, and I can't push myself like I did with my knee to try and get mm. back riding because we've we've got some good runners today and it's absolutely gutting to know I'm missing them I just I hope they run well which which horses have been most important to you I mean maybe not the best horses you've ridden but which are the ones that have really kind of meant an awful lot and kind of taken you to the the, the next level you know through my career especially as an amateur we had a horse called Tapas Libra. You know, I've won 10 races on him. Everyone will remember him. Oh, the legend round Epsom in the Ladies' Derby. It was four four times he'd won that race. Um, he's run well at York. I'd won at York on him, the Champagne race. Mm-hmm. You know, he got me going as an amateur. And really, he was probably, as much as at home, he was the numbest horse. But in a race, if he was numb in a race, they were going too slow. If he couldn't go, they were going too quick. You just knew. And he just brought the whole race experience of knowing, you know, judging races and getting me those winners and putting me, you know, in those bigger races on the amateur circuit. And obviously coming in into professionals, you know, there's been a lot of horses. Cassilli, a filly with a big heart, I've won on quite a few times at Beverly. She again runs today. A filly reach of my granddad's that runs again today, that won on Sunday like a nice easy winner, winner, a see the stars filly, you know, she did that nicely. You know, I've just got these to look forward to when I get back. Now, Beverly has been a very happy hunting ground for you, hasn't it? And yet so many jockeys will tell me that it is not an easy track to ride. So you clearly have it completely taped. Oh, I don't know. I think my granddad keeps telling me, uh, you know, you have to ride from the front, slow it up at the bend, kick on off the bend. But a lot of my winners probably from Beverly. Mm have come from behind, yeah, you are dependent on pace there, really, um, to be able to make up ground from the back. Um, but, yeah, I think, well, I say I think I was leading jockey mm. this season at Beverly. I think Weather O'Sheen's now joined me after his double yesterday. Um, mm, I don't know how many more but, trips you'll be making to the Westwood this season. Know, well, I hope not, because I'd love to win it. But, you know, obviously I've got four to six weeks out that I'm hoping, you know, I can get back soon. If the, if the spread is four to six weeks... I'm selling. Okay, so I this on 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 past form. I'm I'm reckoning it could be could be a bit quicker than that. I um I want to talk a little bit about your experience in in Saudi Arabia, because you're going into an international jockeys challenge against the very best from around the world, male and female from all continents, and you don't just win. Uh, you also win on on the dirt, 
And again, you kind of brush it off as if, well, so what, it's just another race. What were you really thinking? It was an amazing experience. I suppose my mum was just getting so excited. She's like, oh, this, you know, this is so big. I said, well, I'm doing my job. I'm riding the horse that I'm riding, and, and that's, you know, trying to get the best out of it. You know, I've never ridden on the dirt there before. But they told me the horse loves to win from the front, get to the rail, turn the bend and, and kick from home. Um, I think he's actually won again since out there. You know, he gave me a great spin. But the experience and coming up against some of these amazing jockeys and to be holding your own against them, I think probably sometimes it just shows that you've got to be on the nice horses to win those big races. But did it, did it fill you with, with more kind of confidence and vigour, just being a part of that? Definitely. To be picked, to be part of the International Jockey Challenge was an honour in itself. Um, obviously, would love to be part. You know, obviously, I've been part of the Shogar Cup as well. You nearly won the whole thing as well. You were yeah. robbed cruelly in the in the last leg, weren't you? I think the year before, a girl, the girl had the winner in a second, and I had a winner in a second mm. in my first two races, um, and then I think I was a fifth later on in one of the other races. But yeah, no, I was third overall, which you know, to, up against those, you know, boys and girls was brilliant. Mm. And if if that told you anything, what did it tell you about how you would like the rest of your, your career to pan out? Just to be busy and riding winners and, and to be obviously involved on the big stage. Um, we at McGrands and, and Mungles, we don't have a lot of, you know, you know, the group horses, but, you know, to get to them and, mm. and ride at Ascot and ride at the big races and the York races would be amazing. Um, but just, I think, to, to keep working hard and, and do the best I possibly can. And, you know, wanting to be, stay injury-free, really, but you know, these, these hurdles do come up and you've got to get over them. Do you think you're going to have to move to go to the next level? I th uh, tricky question, and you're probably right, but... I didn't answer it. <laughs> I just asked it. But but you know I, I'm I'm I am doing well up north. Mm. You know my grand and my are very supportive over me. We do have some nice horses. Yeah, no world beaters, but we're holding our own and, and very consistent. I think, yeah, you know I, I'm in there maybe six days a week. Whether you know I probably should be you know riding out a bit more. For, you know for other trainers, it, it's easier said than done. But trouble is nowadays I think you need a, a yard to support you full-time, not full-time, but, you know, you need to be in a majority in a yard to get those rides. So you need a base. You need you that kind of do. base of, uh, of runners to kind of just keep the, keep the scoreboard ticking over as much as anything else. Definitely. So I guess then the trick is how you get noticed just in a few more places. Like everyone knows you now. Everyone knows that you're good, but it's just persuading maybe people just in different parts of the country to to get you on slightly better horses. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not, e it's not easy. And, you know, I don't think anyone thinks it is going to be easy. And, and, you know, you have to put the work in and to do that. So it's just going, yeah. How's going the agent on. getting on? Yeah, he's doing, yeah, he's doing all right. It's Chris now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Chris now. I've seen Niles, Chris had, Niles took um, a bit of a step back, um, you know, a, a bit less jockey. So, yeah, he, he's fobbed me off onto Chris. I think hopefully he's gladly took me on. And, you know, he's, he's doing really well with me. Um, you know, I'm very busy up until now, but being very busy and 
know, hopefully when I get back, long may it continue. And we were talking a little bit earlier on about your about your university degrees, and you're now pretty highly qualified in the sort of sports science sphere. How much how much of that is is physiological? How much of that is sort of psychological? Your your kind of level of expertise. Um, yeah, so I did an undergrad degree of sports science. So obviously you do all aspects of psychology, nutrition, um, physiological stuff. Um, and then I then concentrated on sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. Whether at the end of it you go into something doing that or anything else. But I suppose my mum always used to say, you've got the qualifications, you can always fall back on them if anything was to happen. Um, so yeah, I've got a, an insight into the whole nutrition part and and the sport and I think that's definitely helped me um you know it probably could be better you know half the time you know what you should be eating it's just whether you're eating this the right (laughs) stuff um but yeah no I think that's definitely made me more of I think maybe more of a well-rounded character you just had had that little bit more experience a bit more life experience there is a world outside definitely in, in your world it Racing is pretty dominant. It is very dominant. I think that's all you think about, really. I mean, you know, I, I'm injured now, but I just I can't wait to get back to keep riding those winners. It's the thrill you get from those winners that keeps you going.